Good morning. It's the um, summer, solst summer solstice today. And uh, I thought I'd do another little flower extra for anybody on the on the journey. Um, what else have I learned since I last spoke to you? Um, things don't always go according to plan in anything, but especially in when you're trying to grow something. And the flowers are no different, really. Um, they get attacked by all kinds of different things. And um, you spend your time trying to get some good stem length. And then, you know, the wind or the rain breaks it down. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so some of the flowers that I thought would get taller haven't. So one of the things I'm learning is work with what you've got. Work with what you have rather than fretting over what you haven't got. Um, that's easy to say if you have uh, somebody's ordered a tall bouquet and you haven't got anything tall. Um, but mostly at this time of year, there's a lot of tall things. But there's also a lot of things that I thought would get taller and haven't. Um, that's probably to do with the fact that I haven't pinched out properly or haven't taken off the second side bird to put all the growth into that one stem. Um, but that's okay. I'm 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 comfortable with that. It's fine. I'm using the shorter ones to make uh, poses and jam jar poses and just um, decorate my kitchen um, and things like that. So it's it's not all bad. Um, some things get really tall, but that's all right. Just chop the bottoms off of those. Um, everything at the minute has either got um, not everything, but there's a lot of. Uh, black fly around at the minute and um, pollen beetle <laughs> and uh, we've got a crop in the field next door I think once that is harvested you will then get flea beetle as well I think so it's like it's, it, does, it doesn't end and so there's no point fretting over it and uh, you just work with uh, what you've got uh, the best way that you can really. Um, I did my very first um, jam jar poses for a wedding they were beautiful uh, initially the bride had asked me for green and white and I had said no I'm sorry I can't guarantee that and she said that's fine we'll just have whatever you've got in the end I was able to do the green and white so I was really pleased about that and they looked beautiful and they more importantly they smelt amazing because I had lemon verbena in there with them and it they just smelt divine really absolutely divine um it was uh, they had a lovely day and um it was just like a small uh, country pub wedding, really, um, like an old, an old traditional wedding used to be. Um, yeah, and I was really pleased with how they went. Um, I was absolutely made up, really, when the way that they turned out. So they were good. Uh, we're at the stage where all of the early summer stuff is sort of still there, but it's sort of waning and we have lost some of that so you kind of get in the spring you get pops of color and then early summer they go over and then early summer comes and it, you get a few pops of color um, not in the taller flowers so much and then we're at the stage now where we've got lots of pinks and purples and they're quite muted even red even the reds are muted so next phase comes the big guns what i would say are the big guns which are the dahlias and the annuals like the cosmos and um the china asters and things like that so 
uh, that's quite uh, that's going to be quite um exciting my roses i had intended to use are just very small i'm i'm they were brand new rose bushes so um next year i might get some uh, longer stems off of those but they're quite short but again that's that's fine i'm just using them in different ways um i'm al i'm also at the minute uh harvesting anything that's gone over that's not usable anymore to dry to do some dried flowers and i watched a uh i did a, we did a workshop um an online watched an online workshop about or talk about dried flowers and the lady that um, did that she said just give anything a try give it a try if it works it works if it doesn't you haven't lost anything apart from drying time that's all because if it works it'll be amazing um and if you haven't well then you'll know so so yeah i'm doing that um i'm also trying a couple of other little things so uh, preserving flowers which is slightly different to drying flowers so you preserve flowers and they keep they hold their color for longer uh, I don't know whether you could preserve them and then dry them. No, I don't think so. Well, basically, it, they, you, instead of standing them in water to get them an extra long life, you use um, two parts water to one part vegetable glycerin, and the, the plant takes up the glycerin, and then they hold, uh, and they're, they're more supple than dried flowers, obviously, because dried flowers are quite brittle. But they apparently will last, you know, six months so we'll see that'll be exciting um i've just got a few different types of i think they mainly do with foliage but i've got a few different types of flowers in there just to see because you know nothing ventured nothing gained just to see what happens to them and uh how long they last and then i also bought um and this is uh so th this is a substance that you can reuse over and over and over again so the silica gel um that you use you find in the little packets in your shoes when you buy new shoes or the, anything all sorts of things um you can use that to draw out the moisture from your flowers but mainly i think it's like flower heads because if you put a stem of a flower in there the silica is probably going to crush it i would think i haven't tried it yet to be honest but anyway. so i'll get a small um sort of uh, airtight tub um and try some of that in there and see just to see what happens with those um because uh you know again nothing ventured nothing gained and i mean i just i can't believe the amount of um you know uh, what, what do you call it the, the amount of areas that you can dive off to just from growing flowers i also uh, we also had an online workshop with a lady who um, uses natural plant dyes um, which was fascinating I, I don't think it's something i'd want to get into because it's a whole nother arm of you know you use the dyes and then you dye the fabric or and then then what do you do do you sell it on or i would be inclined to think oh i've got to make something out of this so <laughs> you know just be spending all my time uh, making things out of the things i've died but pretty um pretty fascinating stuff and some beautiful beautiful colors that come out of that so that was another thing that's another sort of branch really pardon the pun of growing <laughs> plants and and foliage um one other thing i'm going to give a try because i've been harvesting lavender uh that's not something new to me i've harvested lavender for years um generally mostly for my own use around the house or um 
sometimes like, like um, dried lavender in your hoover if your hoover's smelling a bit whiffy and just hoover up some dried lavender um yeah and I, so i've been using lavender dry you know drying my own lavender for a long time but i've got quite a few lavender bushes which are at the in the growing patch in the cutting patch so i thought well i'm going to harvest that and i'm going to bundle it up and put it out for sale for people to buy and dry their own if they want to um and uh then I thought, well, I'm going to have quite a lot of it, so I will probably dry it off and use the lavender and, and then discard the stalks. So with that, I thought, well, I can make some little lavender bags. And actually, I thought, well, I'm not going to have time to make lavender bags, so the lavender will just sit there. So what I did was I bought um, 50 little muslin drawstring pouches. Now, these muslin pouches you can use for things like... Um, a bouquet garnet in your stocks and stews i've done that before so you can you know you can use them for all sorts of things but i thought i'll put the lavender in these uh in these little lavender bags and then i thought well they're gonna be a bit boring you know just plain muslin so the other thing i you know that is out there is uh, flower hammering I don't know if you've ever seen that. Basically, you use a flower on paper mainly, but you can use it on fabric. You'd have to um, uh, secure it onto the fabric somehow. Uh, and you basically you lay the petal down, you put a piece of paper over it, you hammer it, and the dye from the flower comes out onto your paper or your fabric. So I thought, well, I'm going to give that a try. I'm not entirely sure. I don't think it'll work out terribly well hammering a lavender but i'll give one a go and see um potentially i might have to use something um with a little bit more um fleshy petals like a like a salvia a purple salvia or something just to give the idea that it's lavender so yeah uh so i'm like expanding in minute ways in lots of different directions because it you know growing flowers like that gives you the opportunity to do that so um one you know that's the big thing i've learned there are many factions to growing flowers not just um not just handheld bouquets and bunches there's a whole there's a world out there of uh, of things so yeah that that's uh, another thing i've learned um on the way and i no doubt will be learning lots more and keeping you up to date with what i have learned Um, it's now um, early July. Um, well, getting on for don't actually know what date it is today. It is um, the sixth, sixth of July. Um, so some more things I've learned. Uh, I, I've learned that I actually um, my personal preference is for the spring flowers rather than the summer wows. I love the spring flowers. Um, but we've moved now into the summer blooms. The dahlias are coming out, the cosmos is out, the china asters are still not out, um, but the things like zinnia, they're coming out. I mean, they're all beautiful, but they're all quite um, statement flowers, and I much prefer the sort of uh, romantic, willowy type um flower these are then then quite apart from the cosmos they're quite robust flowers and quite sort of um statement flowers really that's one thing i've learned um the other thing is i am absolutely loving the dried flowers um i really am 
I'm harvesting quite a lot. Um, everything and anything that I um, think might dry. And if, it, if I don't think it dry, I'll just give it a go and see how it dries. Uh, so, yeah, and the dried petals as well. Um, beautiful, beautiful, um, beautiful. What would really normally be wasted, you'd <laughs> throw it in the compost, but um, just glorious. Um, I've got a fair few bouquets under my belt now, so... You know, I'm, I'm going all guns with those. It's not bad. Uh, you do have to keep on pushing it. What I also learned is I was lucky in that I already had gate sales and um, followers on Facebook because I was easily able to transfer that to the flower department, if you like. And so gained quite a good um, following quite quickly um, and therefore lots of orders quite quickly. So I know that some of the people are you know, just uh, they've gone into it fresh from nothing and they're struggling to get um, get the sales. So, uh, yeah, and also it's, you know, although the flowers are beautiful um, and I do love it when people buy them, it's not all about that, really. It is, a lot of it is about a personal journey, I think, for me, um, just, to, just to push my boundaries and broaden my um, repertoire and things like that. So yeah, uh, the I tried the flowers in glycerin. I don't think I'll bother again. Yes, they um, they take the glycerin up, but they remain floppy. So I know that when people you know talk about um, preserving flowers in glycerin, it's nearly always um, foliage, uh, sort of woody foliage, that will hold because um, flowers don't. They just stay floppy. They go floppy, and that's it. So um, so unless I did it for um, foliage. Uh, that will stand up to it then probably not still haven't tried the silica yet will do when i get a minute still incredibly busy with everything and um had to order some hooks to expand my uh flower drying area um one thing i think is if uh even if you don't um you know want to do your own dried flowers and i can't you know there's no reason why not <laughs> they're just amazing do have an area in your kitchen or something that you've got dried flowers hanging because they, you know, different colours of dried flowers, they look amazing. Uh, honestly, I can't even tell you how um, how I love them so much. They, they're just amazing. Um, and the ones that I'm drying at the minute are going to be for Samantha's wedding uh, flowers and display flower, you know, display flowers. So I'm just trying anything, anything and everything. And it's glorious. Um... Yes, I'm not, I'm not, I don't get so nervous anymore doing the flowers because people love them. You know, the people that are coming to buy them love them. They see the photos of them, they love them, they want them, so that's great. Uh, I'm starting to sell a few at the gate now, um, which is also good. Uh, I don't have enough time on my hands um, to do everything. That's standard. That was never anything different before anyway. But So I'm finding that other jobs have to go by the by and I did say to John I need an assistant in the hopes that he would uh volunteer but he didn't uh, even if it's in the house really because it's um pretty full on and I you know there's just me and I don't have time <laughs> to scroll around and do everything so consequently my house gets cleaned you know once every uh two or three weeks at the minute because I don't have time I'm you know now resorted to being that person who um who thinks that, uh, oh, that'll wait, that'll wait, that'll wait. Um, 
I never used to be that person. It all had to be done at once. Um, the other thing I'm learning is that um, communicate really well with your customers because um, I just had a customer come and pick one up. And initially she said she wanted three bouquets. And then um, I sent her the photos and I said, well, these are about £20. She said, oh, I, I, I'll have £30 then. Um, thinking that she just wanted £30 bouquet. No, she wanted three £30 ones. So she's literally just gone and I have got to nip out now and cut a whole load more flowers to deliver her to her tonight. But that's fine. It's overcast today and it's not sunny, so it should be fine. Um, the other thing is people say to me, oh, can I have a look at your cut flower patch? You know, and I'm like, well, you can, but there's not a lot to look at, to be fair, because uh, I've cut all the flowers. I'm constantly cutting the flowers. And so it's not it's not like an ornamental bed. Um I'm constantly cutting them and uh, therefore there are, when you look at it, there's not very many flowers there. <laughs> so that's another thing I've learned, which is uh, never even occurred to me really. Okay, it's now the 21st of July. So a couple of weeks since I last updated this podcast, this uh, all about flowers one. Um, and what I'm learning as I go into my very first season of um, uh, producing flowers for cutting uh, here at the farm. So cut flowers for selling in bouquets and things um, that are grown here. So um, reduces your carbon footprint if you're buying um, flowers that are grown in, in uh, the UK the British Isles and uh, obviously it's um, good for the local economy because it uh, you know helps towards uh, boosting the local economy if we have um, economic and um, geographical upheavals like we've been having um, that's always my opinion that uh, the local economy is the most important economy um, as far as I can see um, uh, if you're not a big fat cat that's trying to make millions of pounds out of a massive multinational corporate company. So, <laughs> um, so what else have I learned? I've learned that the, the temperatures, <laughs> um, especially high temperatures, have a massive effect on your um, flowers. And uh, we have just had record-breaking temperatures in the UK of 40.1 or 40.2 degrees um not quite that much here i think it probably got to about 38 39 but it was scorching and uh lots of the flowers um struggled they really struggled through that i spent a couple of days um shade netting everything i used uh the the builders um, um so the scaffold rubble nettle netting i've got different colors i've got black out there i've got green out there i've got blue out there multicolored because I just got what I could get hold of at the time um so I was shade netting a lot of those um one or two things just completely collapsed in that heat uh because we've not had any rain prior to that either if we'd have had rain prior to that then the high temperatures they would have still had an effect but not quite as detrimental as they they're having at the minute because we had no rain and we still haven't had very much rain and uh 
you know, things are not, it's basically, I mean, they haven't officially classed it as drought yet, but I would say we're in drought conditions, really. Um, And I haven't seen the grass verges this dead uh, for for many years. So, um, yeah, so the other thing, so one of the things is that always save as much rainwater as you possibly can, because the other thing was that we also lost our mains water, um, prior to the hottest day of the year or the hottest day ever so far which was not even funny um luckily we still had rainwater in our rain butts and our massive tanks that we collect the rainwater in but um i still needed quite a lot of water in temperatures like that so i was using the main so and we lost it for well, probably uh, not quite 24 hours but um from maybe midday uh the one day right through to half past seven the next morning um and the worst thing was that you get a lack of total lack of information uh not knowing when it's actually i mean they said they were aiming to get it on for the morning um but you who knows how that goes uh as it was they did um it still trickled through um slowly until about lunchtime till the reservoirs all filled up again and it was the main uh, pipe coming in to um, the uh, the whole area, a massive area, a massive geographical area. So it was, uh, you know, crazy stuff. So um, that's something we I really need to think about going forward. Um, the flowers, some uh, the the heat not only affects them, um, you know, the roots and how much. Uh, water they're taking up but also the color of the flowers um quite a few of the flowers bleached out (laughs) in that heat um my roses that were nice and bright pink um are now sort of very pale pink virgin on white um a couple of those and my i've got a beautiful sort of um apricot rose which is now the rose that was out i mean that was fine the rose bushes didn't mind it but the roses uh color bleached out quite a bit um, lots of the flowers really resilient, like the dahlias and the rebecca and uh, um, I'm trying to think, lot, quite a few of them, very resilient, didn't bother, didn't mind a bit. Um, but uh, a few of them uh, did mind quite a lot. <laughs> so uh, that's always worth uh, trying to note that and see uh, going forward, because if, you know, um, if the temperatures uh, keep going up year on year which they say they're going to then that's something I need to be mindful of um I'm still cutting flowers for bouquets and jam jars and things and I'm still cutting flowers for drying and I am cutting anything just to see how it goes um one of the most um surprising and quite cute pleasant ones are the antirhinums and I just uh cut them in a bunch and hung them and they're going to be absolutely gorgeous as dried flowers um i'm not sure how quite how robust they will be but um we'll see as we go along um as they uh they look very very pretty if they can just hold that color as well that would be amazing um so yeah uh i'm learning as i go what flowers i do like what i don't like what's hard work what's not what's easy um, I'm also learning that I really need to concentrate on staking because um, when you put the plants in and they're tiny and you put the stake, you know, put the whatever it is, you're going to put them in to hold them up. You think, well, that'll be fine. Actually, when they get um, three foot tall or more, 
<laughs> that's not sufficient. It's not sufficient staking. And so that is something I really need to um, get on top of plus um, dr uh, some sort of drip irrigation too. Those are the two. They're very, very important um, if you're thinking about doing this because uh, those two things um, are going to be the difference between having great uh, upright, healthy flowers to having um, limp flowers that have fallen over and bent in various shapes. So, yeah, so that's a bit of a learning curve too. Um there's always a lot to do. There's, uh, like I said, there's biannuals to sow um, around about this time of the year. And then come sort of late August, September, there'll be autumn sowing. Um, and then there's propagation in between. So to, you know, uh, propagate to um, increase your plant stock um, and things like that. So uh, it's not, uh, yeah, it's quite actually, if you went into it um, on a bigger scale than I have, it's quite a lot of work and it you know it it, it is a full time thing um to keep it all ticking over nicely um i will increase the amount of flowers i do next year i'll be more selective um i there are areas i i sowed quite a bit or planted quite a lot up in one of the polytunnels in order to so i thought oh that's all right they will come on earlier and then i'll have a succession that does not work like that um <laughs> it does outside it works like that but inside in there they're just uh monsters they're just monster plants that have just reached the top of the polytunnel and bending over and so um you'd have to be careful about which ones uh, that you put in there especially in the summer i mean some of those in there they just don't need to be in there so that was my uh mistake really but i'm forming a good idea of what does need to go in there and uh, you know things that will come earlier in the spring and things that will be later in the um autumn that will need a bit of protection from the frost which sounds obvious but I thought well in the meantime I'll just grow some summer annuals in there and uh you know they, they will come on quickly and they'll you know no <laughs> just get massive just get massive and still got no flowers on um yeah and it's all it's all a massive learning curve really um and uh but I am learning that people do like my flowers which is great because you'll never know do you and I think well, I don't know but people are loving them they're loving the fact that they're local they're loving the fact that they smell amazing that the variety is huge that you get um yeah and they do, they are just loving them and I'm loving the fact that they love them that's uh you know that's great it's fantastic so that's another little bit of what I've learned it's uh yeah, it is a full time job if you if you went down that route. So, um, uh, but do lots and lots of research. I mean, I did a fair amount into the plants that I wanted to grow um, and the flowers I wanted to produce. But it does need a lot more research into the staking and um, where you grow them in relation to other plants. You know, tall ones, short ones, all that sort of thing. So that's uh, that'll be my homework for this winter is to get on and. Uh, um, you know, do lots more research and planning on the actual layout structure and how that and how it functions. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit more of an update. It's now the sixth of August. Um, I think. Let me check. 
yeah, 6th of August. <laughs> and um, so I'm going to tell you about the mistakes I've made. And there are a lot of mistakes, to be fair. Um, I told you about the one in the polytunnel. Um, I've got monster plants in there. But a total waste of space, time and energy, that was. Because they, they're just all um, green and and not a lot else so uh that was the annuals um and for some weird reason i put some sunflowers in there as well i know go figure but i thought well maybe if it's gold maybe i was thinking um yeah so <laughs> that's a big mistake and uh i won't be doing that again um what I will be doing is using my small polytunnel to grow tomatoes and cucumbers and um, any herbs for eating next year. And the big polytunnel I'll be using for things like uh, for early spring bulbs and potentially I'm going to be putting those in crates anyway. Um, but uh, maybe a whole bed of ranunculus where the tomatoes are now uh, to get those c coming up nice and early. Um, and protect them from the rain and everything uh yeah so a complete swap around in the uh in the tunnels because i thought um the small tunnel would be adequate um but actually it's too adequate it's the, it's the jungle in there at the minute and uh it's all right when it started when they started off and they're like small and you could um you know see what was what and now it's just like oh, i don't even know what's what in there the other mistake with all of that was um, basically I'd planned my uh, cut bed at the other end of the garden and I'd got all the beds ready for that. And then I'd, I'd grown so much from seed, I had loads. So I was just shoving it in here, there and everywhere. That's a mistake because um, for some reason I've, you know, basically I've shoved one lot of things in with another lot and then you've got things that are really tall over things that are a lot shorter and consequently the shorter stuff doesn't get the de the sunlight very well and the bigger stuff soaks up all the the watering um etc etc so that also is a mistake i thought um it'd be quite good you know as mixed beds but it that doesn't work um on the size that i'm doing because uh, it would in my borders out the front which i've also put stuff you know in my raised beds out the front which I've also been putting stuff in but not specifically for cutting and so what I've been doing I'm in the process of doing at the minute is uh, although I want to change one of my beds completely uh, turn it all the way around um, so I have to wait until all the things have gone over for that but um, so I've got um, a run of uh, we, oh, I used to call it the bean bed because we used to run, do the runner beans. I don't grow that many runner beans anymore because I ended up with so many runner beans in the freezer. Nobody could ever eat that many runner beans. And uh, people, I did have some really good customers coming to buy them and then they sort of moved away and, you know, you just end up with tons of runner beans that you don't really know what to do with. So I haven't even grown any this year. That's that's <laughs> that's how much that put me off. Um, so I, what was the runner, what was the bean bed, as I called it? It was a long, thin bed. Um, has now got a, a series of um, raised beds all the way down it. And when I say raised beds, they are the pallet collars, so they are a metre by 1,200. And they run, um, John dug all those in, and we lined them all, um, and they run all down in a row, uh, all the way down the garden. That runs from um, 
east to west almost kind of um again that was one thing that um way back in the day i should have uh, thought a bit more of and run it from um north to south but i didn't so that you know we've never got around to changing it that dramatically because it's quite a that would be quite a big task to do maybe one day who knows um so yes yeah, so uh i've been so as the beds become empty from um crops that i've been growing i've been um changing that one into that will be from perennials so i at the minute i've got a bed of um I planted up a bed of delphiniums that I've been growing along and they're planted right at the end so that they're not shading out the sun from anything else because they get quite tall and they need a lot of sun so they're down at the end. Uh, I've got a bed of uh, penstemon, uh, a, a specific type of pe- red, these are red, uh, they've got red leaves, pe- penstemon in the bed next to that. Um, Next to that, I've got a bed of the mixed stuff that I'd put in, and I've got very tall amaranthus and some very short um, antirhinums underneath because they just couldn't get the the sun. And I've got a bit of everything, a bit of grass in there, a bit of sweet rocket. It's just, uh, yeah, it's all over the place. And then I've got a bed of um, scented pelagoniums, which I'm going to have to dig up anyway because they they won't stand the temperatures outside. So I need to dig those up and pot those up and put them in the greenhouse or in the tunnel um over winter or somewhere frost free i might have to uh, just have a frost at, a frost uh, thing on in my greenhouse to keep those alive this year however i've taken cuttings from those so if they die i will have some more um and then i've also planted up a bed of um so what i'm trying to do is get one particular thing in each bed if you see what I mean so that I'm because at the minute I'm all over the place with it I'm thinking oh I know I've got some of these here and I've got some of those there and I'm trying to collect (laughs) go around and find them all which is ridiculous and total waste of time um so I've got a bed of um also a bed of uh salvia and veronica um nice tall spiky plants you know um they are all in one and then i've got a bed of carrots still in and a bed of kohlrabi when they come out i will change i'll put something else in there and i've then on the end i've got a bed of um that's mixed at that because i uh, bought some plants just needed to get them in the ground so there's a strantia in there and there's uh, some penstemon which i can you know i'm going to move um when when you know not at the minute because just uh too dry and, and you have to really keep on top of it all the time then there was a lot of things i just shoved in beds because it was so dry and uh just watering them in pots all the time was ridiculous so i shoved them in the bed to get them to try and give them half a chance which has worked well to be fair so yeah so that that's there so that's what i'm going to do i'm going to um each bed will have it will have one particular type of flower in there um oh and I've, that's the other thing i did do that this morning is i planted up a bed of herbs um in amongst that because i the herbs are great in bouquets as well so i've got things like english mace i've got some um pineapple sage uh bergamot and oregano um in there i want a mint bed but you know what mint's like and i've got lots of different types of mint i've um, I've got some variegated mint. I've got some um, chocolate mint. I don't know if it's chocolate mint or not, but I want to get a bed of mint and um, lemon balm and the the variegated mint. But I need to contain that because you know what that's like. Um, it'll go everywhere. 
I've half a mind to put it in my shrubbery at the front because I don't mind, you know, it's not going to get very far um, because you've got the gravel drive. But uh, I think maybe I'll, I'll, I'll put a few in there as well just to see, hedge my bets with everything. And I have got still things in pots that I need to get in, but the ground is just too too dry and too hard for some of the bigger plants that I've got. Um, yeah, so I have made a lot of mistakes, to be fair. But that's good because I'm learning from those. You know, I'm learning um, what I like, what I don't like, what works in my garden, what doesn't, what struggles, what's easy, um, and what to plant where. I think it's one of the big things. I'm learning what to plant where and, you know, next to what. Don't sort of sh- uh, sh- crowd out other things because that's... Uh, you know, you're not going to get your best out of the flowers for that. So I've got a ton of work ahead of me to do, um, but uh, not bad. I think no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not disappointed for my first year. I think it's doing well. Um, I'm learning a lot. I'm selling flowers, um, and so just moving forward is is the way to go. Really, I've got to. I started looking at um, watching. Um, think uh, videos about pinching out um, and when they say pinching out I thought they meant pinching out you know like uh, when the plants are little no they mean when when they're getting bigger and you something is flowered almost and you're cutting out the top to get the the side shoots to um, sprout and uh, give you more flowers so so event you know essentially you're going to get more flowers in less space um, which is obviously going to be uh, ideal uh, especially when I'm growing them on a on a small scale, really. Uh, what was the other thing I was going to watch? I can't remember what it was now. Loads. I've been uh, honestly, you know, I watch all sorts of things. The group I'm with, which I I said to you before, is a paid group. That's just a, a mine of information. I watched a, a rose masterclass the other day, and roses are not something I've really grown before. Certainly not for cutting. Um, I think in our old house I had some climbing roses because somebody bought me them for my birthday. I've got my Hermani rose out the front, which I love because of the scent, but I just bought that a couple of years ago for myself. Um, so I've never really looked at roses for cutting. And I made a couple of mistakes with um, seeing some, you know, bare root roses for sale online. Oh, I'll get those. Mm, no, you need, the, <laughs> you need the right type of roses for cutting. It's not just a case of, uh, oh, they'll be all right. You absolutely need the right sort of roses that are going to give you um, a good stem length. They're going to hold their petals once they're cut. Um, a good colour, maybe some scent. Doesn't necessarily have to have good scent, but obviously that's a bonus. So I made a mistake with those, and I, I think I've got six rose bushes now that um, three out the, the back. Definitely not any good for cutting at all. So the, I will dig those up and I'll put them in the front beds. That'd be fine. You know, they'd be nice out there. That'd be absolutely fine. But that was a mistake. Uh, so you know, a little bit more research, more research really on the height that things get to um rather than just thinking oh that's pretty i'll order that and then finding out that the um the picture that you've seen in the catalog um was taken really close up and they're about you know two inches tall rather than (laughs) than a lot taller which is what you need them most of the time so yeah um 
yeah, still going, still loving it. I do love it. And I do particularly loving, as I've said before, the dried flower element of it. The dried flowers are amazing. Um, cutting them at the right time, which is another thing you need to learn is to cut, you know, cutting the flowers at the right time. So that they're, because most flowers, once they've um, opened, um, they're then pollinated. They then, that then sets them on the seed making uh, journey you know once they've been pollinated that's their job done and so but you want to catch them before they're pollinated so that the flower lasts longer um that's another thing i've been learning uh this week in fact um but yeah so lots lots to learn i've learned lots i've got loads more to learn um i know uh but yeah i love it i love it and it's um I'll just keep going and you know as I've said before even if nobody buys them I'm, I'm enjoying myself <laughs> um, sell a few uh, and who knows who knows might end up selling quite a lot eventually it's I mean it's slow but it's it's regular at the minute it's slow and regular so and I don't want to be overwhelmed to be fair so um, yeah that's how it's going at the minute and uh, I'm not sure if I will put this one out now or I'm just trying to think if there's going to be much more of an update, really, before before it all starts to die back. I'm not sure. I'll think about that and I'll let you know. Okay, uh, it's the 8th of August. I'm going to do my last bit of talk on this um, episode for flowers and then I'm going to publish it. So, uh, otherwise... Um, I think I'll be waiting a while. So yeah, it's um, a fairly settled air time of the of the year for flower growing. Everything's kind of in, but you are sowing more seeds. I've um, started to sow a few um, annual hardy annuals that will uh, hopefully get big enough to into small plants that will go through the winter. Haven't quite decided how I'm going to um, keep them going yet. Whether I put the heat mat on in there. Mm, bearing in mind the temperatures um bearing in mind the the price of electric um heating this year i think i might just uh bring them into the office and um probably have trays and trays in there just keep going i don't know um yeah so anyway uh, so it's um uh, the biennials that i sowed a couple of a few weeks ago starting to form into some um plants now a few of them i have potted on uh, um pricked out and um, some are not quite big enough yet but hopefully they will put on some growth um in the next couple of weeks and i can prick those out and uh, pot those on um i think the biennials will be fine left out over winter it's just like the heart the hardy annuals it depended on the size of the plants really um might struggle a bit i don't know i'll work i'll work that out um so mainly the last thing I was going to say is um, obviously the flowers are all growing nicely now, although it, this year is a struggle because uh, the total lack of rain. So, you know, it's constantly watering and you're not getting the height in a lot of things that you would want. Um, but, you know, it's all part and parcel of the year that is. Uh, you know, that's same with growing veg and things. It just some years are good for some things and some some years are not and vice versa so that's the way it goes um 
the last thing I'm going to say, really, before I put this one out, is I'm going to talk about um, customers um, and what they want and how I've sort of gone about that. So initially, um, obviously, I was really nervous about doing my flowers and... Um, but you know people are loving them so that's great that that sort of gives me confidence that I'm doing the right thing then I think comes the thing where I think well I actually I need to expand my repertoire a little bit you know because I'm doing um the sim a similar bouquet every time which is fine because they like it but for my personal development I I just want to try a few other things so I've been watching a few um uh, online you know videos about different types of bouquets and what to do this the other thing is um really the gate sales are not doing uh quite what i wanted them to but which is fine because i am ticking along with orders but um i really would like to get the gate sales up and running but i'm finding that is again um it's it's difficult to judge same with the eggs it's very difficult to judge um when when to put them out when people will come so you know sometimes i can put them out in the week and nobody will buy any and then by the weekend i've taken them in and then somebody wants them and it's like oh yeah so it really I've, i want to sort of get that sort of worked out a little bit more and i guess also that will come with time as well where people learn um you know the word gets about which it is um the the shed the flower shed that i've got out there is is not working i said to john it's not working it's it faces the wrong way people can't see them and then sort of impulse buy or think oh they're lovely i'll just have you know a jar of those to cheer me up they can't see them unless they look for them around the corner and that's because i tried to keep them out of the sun um but that's it's not working basically it's not working terribly well so with that in mind, we had a chat about what we could do. And then I sat down and I had a quick look on Marketplace. And lo and behold, a, um, a vintage uh, 1960s popcorn trolley uh, was up for sale locally. So yesterday we went and uh, picked that up. Um, and uh, I'm going to paint it all up and put some decals on the side of it. And... Uh, and and I and it's it's got some big like bicycle wheels on it, so I'll be able to wheel it around it, you know, move it from one place to another. The shed. I even said to John, maybe you can sit down by the road and <laughs> with an umbrella and <laughs> tout for business, passing business. Who knows? It, just to get the the word out that you know I've got these these flowers. I mean, as it is at the minute, I I'm, I've got enough flowers to be doing what I'm doing. But if I want to increase what I'm doing, then I've got to increase. The amount of sales um it's as simple as that really um and i want to i want to increase them um i, I did sort of well, just quite like tickle along but I, you know i'm enjoying doing it and it would be nice for it to um become the main earner really that would be good um so back to customers yeah so customers on the whole um yep yeah, like that yeah i'll have that um yes i've seen what you do yes i want that um occasionally you get customers who um d just d don't just don't want uh, what you've got they want something entirely different um which is fine um but the communication between you and the customer needs to be really really clear 
because um, I've, I've done this a couple of times now, once at least once before, where the communication wasn't um, 100% and there was some crossed wires. Now, I've got another customer um, who is buying for a client, actually. I have no idea what that entails. I'm not, I don't want to know um, what that is all about. But um, So she's got very specific needs, specific wants in how she wants her... Um, her jam jars and her flower arrangements to look. Um, so that was quite interesting, going backwards and forwards with my pictures and her pictures and, you know, what she wants, the type of thing she wants, the type of thing I did initially. And, the, yeah, I like that, but I want it a little bit more like this. Um, and I guess that's for you to decide if you're going to do this, whether that's how you want to do it or whether you want to um, just present what you've got and... Uh, that they take it or leave it i mean it's entirely up to you in this particular instance i've decided to go along with the customer um and again because one of the reasons is because it just pushes my boundaries a little bit my personal um capability boundaries um so pushing me a little bit to think outside of what i'm doing already which i think is a good thing for me personally um and initially I was like, oh, terrified. I thought, oh, my God, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I've got enough stuff. And, you know, because um, basically what she wants is tall, airy and layered. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. You know, it's it, it's been hot and dry. It hasn't rained. Nothing's very tall. But actually I've gone around and cut the stuff this morning. And I'm really quite excited about what I'm going to produce. I hope she is. If she's not, well, we're not compatible and it's as simple as that. But it will, uh, you know, it will give me um, a little, a little different angle on something. And I can, you know, and I can say to people that this is, you know, this is, was for specific wants and this is what I've produced. And, you know, I can do this as well if you don't just want the, the bouquets that I'm doing or the bunches. So, um so yeah, it's uh, so whether your customer get that nail it one hundred percent. I mean, I, I mean, I'll be honest, the messaging to and fro, it's been like pulling teeth trying to get the information that I need. <laughs> but keep persevering um, with it because eventually you get a a, de a very clear idea of exactly um, what it is they want. Uh, hopefully. And who knows, you know, if you don't, you don't. And you just have to interpret what they what they are telling you. But um, and hopefully I've done that this time and, and we will see. Um, I'll let you know next time she orders again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for, with customers, really nail exactly what it is you think they want. You know, just keep asking the questions over and over again um, in, in a in a business-like way so that they they kind of understand that you are trying to... Uh, get exact detail of, of what it is they're looking for because um, otherwise it's just it's cross communication and nobody ends up uh, very happy so <laughs> but I hope I've got this one right um, time will tell and uh, I'll let you know but um, for, for this episode for this episode on flowers thanks for listening and I hope that if you are um, thinking of doing this or starting a journey in this I hope it's been useful um, that's my intention for it to be useful to anybody who's um, thinking of doing something like this and you can do it on a small scale uh, or you can do it on a bigger scale 
um, just entirely. And if you're going to do it on a bigger scale, there are I would definitely go and have a look at some um, online people who are doing it on a big scale because it's uh, obviously I, I would call mine media it's not small scale i don't have um a, a very small patch to cut from i have quite a, a large area but it's not big scale it's not a field full of um flowers i'm growing it i'm growing it in uh, rather large beds but not not on a big scale yet who knows but thanks for listening and i'll catch you next time with uh, a next catch up on flowers at friesland farm It's mid-afternoon, Monday. Um, I'm like really annoyed, so I'm going to talk it out of my system. <laughs> um, so I had, there was a customer I had for flowers that has literally um, we, messages have been going backwards and forwards for five days. Um, to nail exactly what it is uh, she wanted with pictures uh, and everything else. Um, I was trying to, you know, trying to get the information about where she wants them delivered, how much she wants to pay for them, etc., etc. So uh, finally this morning she's like, well, this is the delivery dress. Um, yep, this is what I want, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then... Ten minutes later, or what? She, no, she messaged me this morning. Half a day later, she says, "No, I'm going to change my mind. Sorry." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, fine, that's fine." But I've just gone out and cut all of those flowers this morning because you wanted them delivered tomorrow. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Never mind. It's it's a learning curve. I'll put it down to a learning curve. It, I it's only mildly annoyed me because I kind of got the feeling as we were going backwards and forwards, this is not going to come off. But uh, you know, and then I got this morning right. This is the delivery dress. All right, great. We're going ahead. I'll cut them. And uh, no, no, never mind. I will still make up the flowers and I will put them out for sale to see if anybody else wants them. <laughs> oh my days. It's half past three, and we've had a slightly different, but for momentarily terrifying um, afternoon, just momentarily, um, because um, Samantha came, and uh, we sat in the garden with the twins. Mia had gone to her other grandparents for the day, and um, we got the paddling pool out, and they were playing with the paddling pool and everything, just a tiny bit of water in the bottom, and... uh, it, it started to get really hot, so um, and the kids had finished playing there. So I said, well, we'll go in now. So we were just um, heading back towards the house, which is not far. Sounds like a long way, but just across the driveway. And um, Samantha shouted, what the hell is that? And uh, I came back out to the garden. And um, from my favourite root bench seat area, massive plume of smoke. Huge. Um so I thought, well, immediately I thought, because there's nothing down there but fields and one or two houses. So field fire straight off. Um, and from our angle, it looked like it was probably one one field over. Um, so I quickly phoned uh, my neighbouring farmer who I thought the field belonged to. And I said uh, to his daughter, um, 
there's a field fire. She got her dad to go and down and have a look. Um, it wasn't their field, it, but it was on the other side of the, the road, um, at a place uh, further down the lane. It, it's quite deceiving because our, the lane that runs past us bends around the corner. And so when I look directly across, it looks like it's only one field away, but actually it, it's quite a few fields away down the lane on the other side of the road, but a big fire. Um, and uh, she said it's huge, huge fire. And then um, eventually oh, we thought, well, because I wanted to, I didn't know at this point where the fire was. And I said, Sam, I really want to know where it is. Um, so we drove down to have a look and the fire brigade just literally got there. This was after about half an hour, to be fair, because we were, I mean, an hour in whether to go down there. Or not. When we got down there, loads of people down there, um, farmers um, loading up uh, other hay, you know, stored hay, taking it away, I guess, for other people, you know, to store away from the fire. Um, it's right next to a house, a big house. Uh, so that's pretty scary. It, it was long um long grass or long hay so again terrifying um what terrified me initially was is it going to come this way because i wasn't quite sure where it was but as it was we could establish it's quite a way away and on the other side of the road um you know great for us because it's not coming this way but not not great for them uh and we literally well, as i said that was about half an hour after i'd rang the farmer we went down there just to see where it was and the fire brigade was just arriving. Um, more than an hour later, then you could hear police cars coming from every direction. <laughs> um, Samantha says, marvellous, isn't it? The fire brigade arrived without any you know, ceremony. Obviously, they had their blue lights going and everything. But And then next thing you can hear, well, a good, you know, they arrive when they get there. And then eventually the police get there with their sirens screaming all around the place. Um, but yeah, and so that was... Uh, pretty because I thought oh my gosh I hope it's not in the field it wasn't in the next field to us but I thought it might have been in the field after that but luckily it's not it's a, it's quite a bit further away luckily for us it's not coming in this direction and actually I'm stood here now and there are no, there is no smoke so I think they've pretty quickly got that under control and I have a feeling that we are uh, we were the first ones to raise the alarm uh, I didn't ring uh, 999 or anything because I wasn't I couldn't determine exactly where it was so I rang the farmer whose field I thought it might have been in and he shot down there and had a look and then he wrote he then ring around all the other farmers or the farmer that owns the field um to say yeah, there's a fire and then I guess they rang the emergency services but I think we probably were the first to spot the smoke going up so um yeah that could have been uh <coughs> a lot worse and so it, it is quite um you know quite scary initially because I thought I don't know where where that is exactly it looked a lot closer than it was um and I just hope that they managed to uh, save everything we uh, there are I know there are horses kept in the field next door um so somebody would have come and got those all out but yeah and uh what I was going to say is at the same time um uh, coming through on the channels are um there's a massive fire a field fire at kidlington there is also one at minster level these are not far away you know kidlington is a bit further minster level and one somewhere well not sure it was either crawley way or minster level but um yeah field fires are breaking out everywhere and it's uh it's pretty scary really and still no sign of any rain so yeah um let's hope we don't have too many more